welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, you can go to www.bridgingchicago.com to find all five seasons of the podcast. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago, and on LinkedIn by searching Bridging Chicago. I am really excited because we're finally getting back to some in-person uh, interviews, and um, it's always better in person seeing someone face-to-face. It makes such a huge difference. Um, and so I'm here today with Rama of 210 Design House, and this space is beautiful, first of all. Thanks. Amazing space. You have done a wonderful job here. But um, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little about yourself and how yeah. you ended up here in Chicago? I mean, Rama Danui, so I'm president and owner of 210 Design House. Um, I was born in Chicago. Oh, okay. Um, born in Chicago, spent my grade school, I was in grade school here. Yeah. Then I spent about eight years in India in between. Okay. Came back, uh, did medical school, did residency at Kokari Hospital in surgery. Wow. Was practicing in Elmhurst and Dinsdale. During that time, during residency, we kind of started, I had two years of research did. And my parents at the time, coincidentally, my parents immigrated here in the late 50s. Okay. My dad was an engineer, actually his master's in nuclear engineering. And, but he always wanted to kind of go back to India. He had this thing of going back and he wanted to do something there. And this was around the time I was doing research and he went back and he was looking at granite marble. So he was kind of getting into that business. Interesting. So I was kind of helping him out and said, hey, you know, if I'm here, I'll do something more than downtown. And, yeah. And you know, when you're young and naive, you think you can start anything. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, what the hell? I can start this. I'm a surgeon. I can do anything. Yeah. And so we kind of stumbled upon it about 25 wow. years ago. Wow. And they kind of, over the years, evolved. Uh, and now we are up here. Yeah. It's always interesting talking to people who are from Chicago because their Chicago stories are always really cool. And I think that we, Chicago is famous for its neighborhoods. We know that different neighborhoods kind of take on different lifestyles and have evolved with the city over time. Um, but what neighborhood did you grow up in and what, your, what was your neighborhood? Like? You know, I grew up actually in the suburbs, okay. you know, in uh, Forest Park. Oh, so pretty close. Forest, and then Oak Park. Yeah. And then Oak Brook. It's almost like this classic migration of the immigrant family. Yeah. You know, start off my parents, my dad did his master's at the uh, University of Minnesota. Then came back to Chicago, started his first job, uh, and then kind of had this outward migration as he kind of basically grew in affluence. Yeah. Went to the suburbs, and then from there, now, of course, we all live downtown. Yeah. But I think that's kind of been that outward migration back in. One thing that I often hear from um, children of immigrant parents is how hard they had to work growing up. Uh, I think the, the mentality of the uh, immigrant parent is very like, you work very hard, you uh, get good grades, you basically work to set yourself up for later in life. Is that something that you experienced when you were young? Well, yeah, I think my parents always work hard. Yeah. And I think part of the, I think the immigrant experience is that you're here, you have to make it. Mm. And I think that's kind of common to most immigrants. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, so doing multiple things was just normal. Yeah. You know, so I think you worked hard, you watched, set by example, people working hard, it's like, well, so should you. So yeah. I think, you yeah. know, so there's no time for sliding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Um, you mentioned uh, being a surgeon and doing your residency at Cook County Hospital, which I found out was the hospital where they filmed, or at least where it was supposedly filmed, um, ER, right? Yeah, ER. So ER is based on County. Okay. And when I was a resident, they were actually shooting it. Oh, wow. Those guys. Okay. So you see Clooney and those guys hanging out. 
but it was based on oh, actually did sh- they shot a lot of the ER actually in Illinois. Yeah. Like you see the train tracks and stuff, it's actually UI. Okay. Which is not too far from there. Okay. But it was based on Cook County Hospital. And uh, actually BBC did a documentary called The Real ER, where they actually shot in the hospital. Oh, so yeah. Okay. That would be really interesting because like I, I work at a law firm and people are always asking me, oh, have you seen Suits? Like, have you seen this show? Is it like that? And <laughs> the the legal field is a lot different than what I thought it was going to be going into it. And so I assume the medical field is much the same way. Yeah. I mean, I don't think everybody's screaming every time you say that. After the first 50, I think you've used her. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, if you could get in there and just kind of see around a little bit <laughs> what it would be like. Um, what, uh, let me ask you this. So you said you spent eight years in India. Uh-huh. So how was that culture change for you? Because even though your family is Indian, like I, not having been there before then, um, but here in the Chicago area, what was that culture change for you like? And um, I mean, going back and forth, it has to be a little yeah. different. I think it was, for me, it was great because I think part of it is my grandparents are still there. Okay. And I think... So I spent eight years in school, so it's kind of formal years. Yeah. So you can actually understand the country and the language and the people. So if I go back right now, I can fit in very quickly. Yeah. Because I've actually spent a significant amount of time. Wow. Okay. So I think you can understand it better. So I think I was fortunate. Yeah. I know a lot of folks who were first generation never went back till they were adults. Mm. And they have a tough time fitting back in there. Yeah. I think for me, I was fortunate. So it kind of, I think having one foot here, one foot there, you kind of see both sides of it. Yeah. Which is great. I was born in Mexico, but I came here when I was super young, so I don't really remember it. Right, so I can actually drop in, I can land and start speaking the language and cursing, and they're like, well, <laughs> this guy's local. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, he could be from down the street. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's so interesting. Uh, I mean, I love Chicago because it's such a, a true melting pot of people, yeah. and uh, you see zip codes here that are so diverse, and, and you get so many different languages spoken, you can get so many different kinds of foods. I think it's what makes it really special. I mean, at Cook County Hospital, I think we had, I don't exact number, maybe 20 some interpreters yeah. on call. Wow. Because you'd have patients who would, you have to communicate with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. And so you had somebody that, on a phone you could call or with their in-person. Yeah. I think reflects the diversity of the city. Switching over from being a surgeon, working in the medical field, to doing design work and working in cabinetry. You've been in cabinetry for over 25 years, yeah, right? 25 years now. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, it's such a cool thing, that the cabinetry and carpentry, what you're able to create is so cool. But what was that like for you? Was there a lot of stress there, anxiety, or was it a pretty seamless transition? You know, again, when you're young, you think you can do anything. So yeah. like, oh, what the hell? Let's sign the lease. Oh, yeah. Oh, now what? <laughs> so I think it kind of started off really as, Kind of being able to be part of a family business still, which okay. is kind of the incentive. Yeah. But I think as this grew, we kind of grew away from it. So now it's our own standalone business. And it's been fascinating because our product, our main product comes from Italy, a product called Sanero. So it's mm-hmm. been around for 70 years, 75 mm-hmm. years now. And it's and we kind of pretty much by accident stumbled into the owner. We had dinner. We decided to work together. They had a place in the merchandise market those days. So we took that over. But it's been a great journey to go to Italy and you get to go there for three, four months and yeah. you kind of see some really great innovation. Again, family-owned businesses over there. Yeah. And partnering to do some really large towers in Chicago. So you've done 100-story building. We're just finishing 100-story building in St. Regis. Wow. Which 25 years ago, 
people didn't even comprehend you could do a high design big building. Yeah. And so I think that's been a great journey because I have a great team who are fantastic at understanding what those are. The St. Regis here on the river. Yeah. On the yeah. River. I stayed in the St. Regis in Hawaii and it was, I mean, it's like every detail is thought out. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's, it took us from being to end about seven years. So yeah. we're just finishing it now. We started drawing seven years ago. Wow. So Snedero is the, the company, the cabinetry company yeah. that you use. The brand. Yeah. Okay. And so what we're seeing around here. And this is Snedero. So we have on the third floor, is a company out of Pennsylvania called Pino Fancy. Okay. Very traditional. Then we also have, you know, furniture, uh, and you know closets uh, bathroom lines each one specialized in its own way and yeah. each one where over the years know the owners met the owners good relationships so it's kind of been a really cool fun journey yeah what does it feel like for you when you get done designing these projects and you see them built and you see the the way people are using them the way people are interacting with your product how does that feel like it's great you know i tell my developer friends and contractors sometimes it's pretty stressful in the middle of it. Yeah. You know, if you look at again, you know, the St. Regis, which used to be called the Wanda Vista, started seven years ago, you know, went through pandemics and ups and downs. Yeah. And, you know, they had a few issues, but it's a hundred story building that's going to stand there for 20, 30, 50 years. Right. I mean, these are like modern day pyramids. Right. And I, and I think to sit back, that's fun because, you know, I'm not, I have a design team who does the actual design. For me, it's more logistics, the business part of it, understanding how to get it done, mm -hmm. which is as important sometimes on drawing it just because at the end, it is yeah. a business somebody has to be able to deliver it. Right. I mean, yeah, that's a great point is that you can design something yeah. that looks great, but it has to be usable. Yes. It has to be realistic too. It has to be executable. Yeah. Otherwise people hate you. Do you, you, do you work with a lot of different people when you're designing? You work with like architects and contractors and a lot of different so groups. We're so we have two sides to our company. One is a retail, okay, meaning one-off, homeowner walks in, okay. depending on their team, sometimes they'll have an architect and contractor who work with them. And in that case, depending on how much they want from us, we can do more or less depending on exactly what their team looks like. Yeah. Then the really big towers, it's an entire, I mean, it's a huge multiple process of multiple layers of designers and contractors and subcontractors yeah. and you know, the plumbing guys, electric, I mean, everybody has to work together to make it happen because we have to get our product from Italy, time it into a wow. building. And so there is a lot of logistics and uh, a lot of coordination yeah. <laughs> to get it done. On well, especially now where we have seen supply chain issues yeah. where the timing of stuff, we just don't know. So has that been difficult for you? It has, but I think today, for example, I had a group we're talking to. We have to mitigate it. We have, yeah. we, that's my job. Yeah. You know, I. I'm in factories every two, three months going down there and run Zoom calls every day. And you can't, you can't plan ahead. You know, we have, we're doing something right now in Nashville, for example, where they were worried about this. It's like, okay, do you want it ahead of time? So we actually manufactured it ahead of time and shipped it in. So mm -hmm. we accounted for the delays in shipping, but we're right on time now. Yeah. So I do think if you plan for it, and you have, that's what my job is. Yeah. It's to plan for it. Yeah. And it can happen. Well, and I'm sure that homeowners or, uh, Owners of buildings feel a lot more at ease when they know that you're thinking about these things. So even if I don't think about it, you're thinking about it. Yeah, that's our first thought. Yeah, <laughs> when somebody walks in, it's like, what do you want it exactly? Let's, let's work backwards. Yeah. And if you do, you can mitigate most issues. Not okay. a problem, of course. 
people, when they come to you, are trusting you with a very important piece of their life. Yeah. Not just where they're going to live, but where they're going to raise their families, where they're going to do their work now. A lot of people working yeah. from home. Um, with that sort of level of responsibility, how do you tackle a project knowing that it's not just designing a space for people, it's designing their home? And I think this becomes very personal. Yeah. I think that's also becomes very emotional for the client. Mm, yeah. So it is really important to think to kind of, and we have designers who are outstanding, but it was 27 years to not just listen, but to shape the expectations. Yeah. So they are met and people walking in understand it. Yeah. I think it's easy to just say, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then disappoint folks. So I think our job is really to keep everything even and make sure people understand what they're getting into because Besides the final product at the end where they have to live in, even the journey, mm. it could be fun or it could be painful. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's part of our task is to make sure that, you know, I think the advantage of being for 25 years in the industry, we've probably pretty much seen almost everything. So yeah. I do think, you know, it enables us to prepare, you know, our clients more. And I think we kind of really harp on the, although it sounds non-romantic, the practical part of this, yeah. of the design versus the creative part, which is great, but really kind of, at least for me, I kind of really, we have meetings every week and we just keep talking about the practical part, about yeah. shipping, about getting it on time, who's going to be there, okay. which I think makes the whole project go well. And if you have a good experience, if you build this space out and you had a great experience doing it, I think you enjoy it more. Yeah. You know, and I think for us that we built this building out, I had some really good friends who helped me and we really enjoyed it from day one because yeah. it was, the memories are good memories. Yeah. And the process is a good process. So, I mean, uh, the space here is amazing. I think that when you put a story behind it, it just makes it that much more special. Exactly. And I think that, so see, we've kind of, and I always tell our clients too, it's like, you know, we use everything we sell. Yeah. And that's, we had a choice, for example, as an entrepreneur, I could have picked different lines. Yeah. So I, why did I pick Snyder? Why did I, so that's part of what we're telling our clients. Yeah. We're asking you to pick because, and we've done it ourselves. We've demonstrated faith in it. Picking it ourselves. Yeah. And so, for example, we have a new line of furniture called Arflex, where I've known the owner for 20 years. Great folks outside Milan make some really iconic pieces. And it's kind of a personal relationship. If I told him, hey, this thing can come out, but I can fix it. Because yeah. I think that's kind of what we want for our clients, too. Yeah. And I'd love to hear about the rest of the staff here because I think you like picking the people that you work alongside is really yeah. important. And I'm assuming they have to be people that you can connect so, with. Yeah. So I think interestingly, you know, and so we have our head of our retail side, like Brandy's been here 22 years. Oh, wow. Uh, Erica, who runs our project side, has been here 21 years. Yeah. Um, Alex, who's another senior designer, has been here actually our youngest. I think he's been here six years. And and the rest of the team too, and most of the time, and we, most of our crew who's still here, we, they start with us out of college. Mm -hmm. They start young, and I think we've trained, and I really believe in promoting from within. Okay. And I really, for me, it's really important to kind of grow people, because I don't think it makes sense to hire somebody and say, oh, you're an assistant. Well, what does that mean? You're going to assist in their life? Nobody wants that. Yeah, yeah. And we don't, so we want people who really want to kind of grow. Yeah. Understand, watch the examples of people who have grown with us. Yeah. And so every single person who started with us has grown with us. Uh, so which is kind of like we'd like to promote from within because I think it's just, it just, I just think it kind of gives people inspiration. But I, you know, when I trained to be a surgeon, you start as a medical student, then you're an intern, 
and you're a resident, and then you're a surgeon, but you're progressing along that ladder. Yeah. And so I think the people who really think that way is what I like to, because I think they really aspire that. Yeah, and it's always interesting when you see those uh, those jobs there. It's like, okay, you're this and you're this and you're this. Yeah. And it makes sense in your head. You're like, okay, this is how I grow. And in other jobs, it, it doesn't, it's not necessarily the same sort of ladder, but there's still so much growth that happens there. What's well, also, you know, I think you teach people with the understanding that you were there. Yeah. And so it's kind of fun when somebody young comes in and some of our older staff is teaching them. Yeah. Understanding they were there. Yeah. And you can aspire and you will. Because they did, mm. you know, kind of, again, I go back to my training too in residences because that's how we were when we first started, you know, like, what do I do with this? Yeah. But by the time you're done, you know, you're a practicing surgeon. Right. And your peers taught you. My chairman used to say, I'm teaching my competition. And he was right. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. but, but to, I think that's great. I actually enjoyed that. Yeah. I think um, that's the healthiest competition there yeah. is where you're pushing each other to be better and you're sharing that knowledge so that they bring stuff to the table you didn't even think about. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the heartbeat of the place is so palpable. You can, you can see it, you can feel it, you can hear it all around. And so it, it's like the place is alive. But um, I think in that same sentiment, the heartbeat of this, particular design house is also in giving. And I know that um, giving back to the community and giving back to people is very important to yeah. to you. So how are what are some of the ways that you're able so to do we've that? Done, you know, it is, I think, I think especially through like Chicago, you know, it's a very diverse city. Mm -hmm. Some people are more fortunate than others. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think I think if you're gonna be in business, I think if you're gonna be successful or have any degree of success, I think part of success has to be giving back. Yeah. So there's a few charities I'm part of. We started a charity 12 years ago called Saturday Place. In Saturday Place, there's a there's an ex-former bear, Rashid Davis, who's the white white receiver for the Chicago Bears. And Rashid, when he was playing with the Bears, said, "Hey, you know, he himself was taken out of his situation in LA, exposed to something around uh, him to grow. Yeah. And that was his ambition. Yeah." And so through a common friend, we met and he said, hey, I'd love to do this. So we formed this, you know, this uh, charity called Saturday Place, which has now grown to a 10-member board. All, all private, you know, guys in construction development, but we take kids from third and fourth grade who are not achieving in math and English from back to the yards of Brighton Park. And every Saturday, we tour them in math and English at UIC. Wow. So we, they, get, they get 30 extra Saturdays a month. And it's a two-year program, so we have about 60 kids at any given time. And we really realize that it's the children do. So they're starting off a grade behind mm -hmm. of their peers. By the time they finish our program, they're at or above par. Mm -hmm. And they have statistics that show that if you're not, if you're not at grade level of English by the time you finish fourth grade, there's something like a 60 or 70 percent chance yeah. you won't finish high school. Yeah. And, and if you go back there as a Brighton Park, there's about a hundred percent chance of end up in jail. Wow. We don't finish high school, so that's been our thrust, and I think we and, and it's just we. There's no government funding involved. There's, there's, it's just purely raising money from peers and fundraisers in the construction development industry, which has been great. Yeah, and we're also I'm also on the board of SOS Children's Village, which is uh, oh, uh, we interviewed them. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Tim, yeah, or, or, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Tim yeah. yeah, so yeah. Tim, uh, I got a chance to speak to him. So I'm actually, I've been on the board now for about nine years. Okay. So you know about the charity for foster yes, kids. Yes. And so again, it's the same thing. So they actually, I don't know if we told you, but 
They have really nice kitchens in those houses because yeah. cars. We donated them. So, you know, yeah, I saw one um, in Roosevelt. Middle Village. Oh yeah, near Roosevelt. Yeah. Yeah, near Roosevelt. Uh, village in Roosevelt. Another one near Seventy Fifth and Parnell. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, and so I think recently we did some donations to. Uh, I think it was Bridging Chicago. Uh, oh, that's awesome. I think Rebuilding Together. Rebuilding Together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that was again. Uh, it was this older. Older lady was going to move back into her house that she was going to take her 90 year old mom with her. Wow. And she needed a kitchen. Yeah. So, one of our colleagues in construction asked us, and we're happy to donate. So, I think it's, you know, kitchens, kitchens and homes are such a central part of everybody's life. Yeah. Yeah. And we're fortunate to do some really beautiful stuff. But I think it's also the same. So, at SOS Children's Village, like in Roosevelt, the village in Roosevelt, all the kitchens we donated, same thing at the community center. And also the community center and the Chicago village. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's, I think if you're going to, I really believe that if you're going to charities, if you're going to donate something, I don't think it should be substandard. Yeah. I think it should be good stuff because you want to inspire those kids. Yeah. Yeah. So what is that? So I don't, you know, so it should be, why not do something nice? Yeah. We also had a chance to interview um, an organization that, they design office spaces for nonprofits. And, you know, they were sharing with us that, you know, if we're going to put something in, we, we would never put something in that we wouldn't put in our own space. Exactly. Or want to work with ourselves. Yeah. And I think it should, I mean, I think the product should not just, you know, perform a function. Yeah. Like a kitchen, you actually inspire them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you go to an SOS children's village, when you go to the village's homes, the parents, the foster parents are like, oh yeah, really nice kitchen. We like it. Like, yeah. Great. Yeah. So it's not just functional, but it's actually better. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. That's so good. Yeah. yeah and I think that, um, you know, that's the story that people need to hear is that what you're doing here, you're, you, people aren't just coming in and saying, I want that, I want that, I want that. But they're really picking out where they're, like, they're going to raise their families. They're going to make cookies with their kids in the kitchens and they're going to, you know, eat or, you know, eat pizza around the sofa for movie night. Uh, I mean, these are things that are actually going to happen in these spaces. And I think. You want it to be beautiful, you want it to be functional, but most of all, you want it to be home for them. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. And so I think, again, I do go back to, I mean, we're fortunate to have some really great senior designers. And really, at the end of the day, if a designer listens to a client, the client designs it. Yeah. I mean, the whole one is actually designing. And the designer is almost a tool to kind of a guide, to guide him to what's available to, because ultimately, it is a homeowner's needs you're fulfilling. Mm. And so I think we, I think if we do that well and make the process straightforward and the experience good, I think we fulfilled our objective. Yeah, I, I'm sure that you are, and I think that um, it's really cool that you step outside of what you do here and you work with other organizations that are doing big work. Because, uh, like I said, we had a chance to to speak with SOS, and they're just amazing people. Yeah, but the reality is, everybody did. Yeah, we would have very few problems. Yeah, <laughs> it's. it's and it's not that difficult. Yeah, I think the difficulty is people is getting over that feeling like your little bit isn't going to do much. But reality is that piece might be the piece of the puzzle that's missing in this other thing. And I think that's encouraging. We've had children when you were at SOS. I'm sure Tim told you we had uh, foster children who were over the last 25 years have a 100% high school graduation rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, go on to Yale or go on to, you know, at Saturday place. You had our children who were a year behind when they started with us who now got admitted to the robotics program in yeah. Illinois or some really cool things. And I think that 
And if, if one person, if you change one person's life, that trajectory, I'm sure if you go back and look at it, changes an entire. So if you oh, think, absolutely. You know, so I think it's well worth the effort, frankly. Yeah. Well, uh, we really appreciate the fact that you do that because that's what, that's the story that we're sharing here is just how people are making a difference in their part of Chicago because I think that Chicago is a really amazing city, but it, it also certainly has some needs. And I think we look to the mayor, we look to other people to, to make a change, but the reality is to change life within us, each individual person. Yeah. And I think if you look at what's interesting, what's fascinating in the city is that besides all the news, et cetera, is if the cause is good, and people trust that you're going to take care of, shepherd their money correctly. Yeah. You've never had a problem raising money. Wow. It's because people are like, okay, we trust you guys. Yeah. You guys know what yeah. you're doing. And as long as you do that, it's been pretty straightforward. Yeah. You know, I think that's what's great about the city. Yeah. It's, it's good to hear that people are generous and people are thoughtful. I think that's what we really want to know is that, you know, people, uh, we assume people care, I think. But to think, to know that they're thoughtful and generous and ambitious is, is really cool. I think part of the problem sometimes is, you know, one of the things like you said is my bit doesn't help. The other part is I'm not sure this is going to the right place. Yeah. Mm. I think when people get over that part, you find people are very generous because they all, they see it, they see the events, they watch, they see the kids. Yeah. They're like, great. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you have an amazing space here. Um, can people come here and visit the space? Yeah. So uh, we're open nine to five. Monday through Friday. Yeah. Uh, either they come by themselves or they come to make an appointment. It's really up to them. Uh, I think people, most of the time, people just kind of walk in, kind of wander around a little bit, get some ideas. Yeah. Right. And they come back with designers or the architects, depending on what they have. Yeah. We're at 210 Design House, which is located at 210 West Illinois Street, here near the Merchandise Mart in Chicago. So we're pretty close to downtown, kind of between downtown and River North. So it's definitely a design neighborhood here. Really cool stuff to see here, so you make sure if you can stop by. Um, do they need to make an appointment ahead of time, or they can no? Just if they have a specific need, it may be better just so that people are available if they want right. to talk about something that's kind of specific project. Yeah, yeah. So you can contact them on that if you need to. But it's a really cool space to see. And then if you want to hear more about the work they're doing as well and how you can get involved with that, because there's always needs there for sure. Yeah. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to make sure to mention? No, I think we're. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed our conversation. I enjoyed learning about you and well, the design house and the work that you're doing because I think, you know, we don't always see that work and we don't always hear about the, the nonprofit work that you're doing and the difference that you're making in the city. But it's really encouraging to, to hear that you're doing that. I think you'd be surprised. Yeah. But the amount of people out there who actually do good work. Yeah. You know, I think I'm always... I'm always surprised. Yeah. And I think people are. I think people's... The heart's the right place. It's just getting a tool sometimes almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I, when I, sometimes when I ask people if they want to come on the podcast, they're like, ah, I don't really have a story to share. I don't really have anything interesting to say. And I always learn something. You know, I always hear their story and it's, it's just amazing how many people don't realize what their story can do and the difference that it can make. For sure. Because I think like one like yours where, you know, you have immigrant parents, you come to, you, you live in this area, you go back home for a time and visit there. And it's like what you've learned from multiculturalism, I think, is is really cool. And I think it's really beneficial for people here. For sure. No, I think so. I think, I think like I said, again, I think it's, it's the, deep, the deeper you get into it, I think the more you learn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great. 
Well, thanks for sharing with us. I really do appreciate oh, it. Too. Thank you. Um, and if you have any socials that you want to shout out and let people know where they can find you on Instagram or if you're on, yeah, of course, your website. Yeah, on our website, 210designhouse.com. Yep, so you can check them out at 210designhouse.com. Or as always, you can stop by here at 210 West Illinois Street and check out their space. It's really awesome. And again, you can find us at www.bridgingchicago.com where you can listen to this episode, our current season five and our past four seasons of the podcast. So thanks again for joining us. Rama, thanks for your time again. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time on the Bridging Chicago podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solutions Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including, but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceedings.